HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. During this time, it's more important than ever to support our friends and neighbors in the restaurant industry. Restaurant Workers Community Foundation has set up a national COVID-19 crisis relief fund. The money they raise will provide direct relief to individual restaurant workers, support other nonprofits serving restaurant workers in crisis, and offer zero-interest loans for restaurants to get back up and running. Visit restaurantworkerscf.org to donate today. And if you need a little extra motivation, you can DM your $20 donation to RWCF's co-founder, John DeBerry, on Twitter, and he'll give you directions for making a signature quarantine cocktail. Donate now at restaurantworkerscf.org. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, a show about the end of the world. I'm Zara. <laughs> Hello. Hello, I'm Nicole. Hey. Um, how's it going, my friend? Fine. How's it going for you? Um, pretty good, actually. You know what? Not bad. Like, in terms of how bad it could be going or how bad it's going for other people, not that bad. But it's, you know, certainly very strange and very sad to see the toll it's taking um on folks who are more who are less who are less uh fortunate than I. Yes. How do you feel? Um, I don't know. I mean, I haven't left my house in over a week, so that's yeah. weird. Yeah. Are you getting out for like a like a little breath of fresh air or to let the sun shine on your face for a couple seconds or are you just pretty much inside? I'm inside. Yeah, that's smart. That's good. That's what we're supposed to be. You're a model citizen. <laughs> yeah. So you leave the house like three times a day. <laughs> well, I do, but I do and I don't. You know what I mean? Like I am leaving the house three times a day. Not three times a day, but in ways that I feel like are safe. Like I have a, I'm lucky enough to have a car. And so I'll wake up like really early in the morning at like 630 and drive out to Robert Moses Beach. And take a walk out there, and there's no other people around. Right. Um, so stuff like that, you know. I So, yeah, I'm leaving the house, but I'm not, like, just having a party or not <laughs> taking social distancing seriously. I'm lucky that I have a car, you know. That's, yeah. that's an advantage in this in this situation. Or I'll bring 
I'll take a quick drive and bring some food to friends or stuff like that. Um, right. But I'm not like going out and like chilling. <laughs> Where would you chill even? Well, <laughs> I would chill at a party. <laughs> I, I heard that there's like, somebody told me the other day that there was like some underground bar that was happening, like a speakeasy. And I was like, that just is, I don't know. I'm not what? doing that. Let's put it that way. I'm not going to a fucking bar. Who told you that? I don't remember who it was, but someone told me that there was like a speakeasy thing happening. Where? I don't know. I'm calling the cops. Call the cops. Want to call the cops? Call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> what are you sipping on? I'm drinking a Negroni Spagliato. Ooh, wait. Can you explain to our uh, listener what that is? <laughs> That's a Negroni with sparkling wine instead of gin. Mm, that's nice. That's good meat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've actually gotten a lot of texts from people this past week or two that have been listening to the show and really? enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I was actually just talking to uh, our oh, number no. one fan, Kira Bill. Now we have to. <laughs> now we have to have a real episode, which I didn't plan for today. So sorry, <laughs> Kira. <laughs> no, no. Quite contrary, Kira was saying <laughs> that she is enjoying our um, unhinged episodes. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, and her opinion obviously is the most important, as though she, because she's our most loyal listener. And you know what? I also forgot to mention somebody who is, first of all, your friend, someone that I know uh, in a limited way, but I really like uh, Virginia. <laughs> oh yes. I had one. Hi, Virginia. Hi, Virginia. You're so awesome. And I had wanted to give Virginia a shout out like months ago (laughs) and thank her for listening because every time I bump into her at diner, she's always so complimentary and so nice about the show and processing. And I just wanted to say hello, Virginia. Thank you. Virginia, God bless you. You know, maybe we should ask Virginia if she wants to do like a little guest, little guest spot one day. Yeah, like number one fan Mm -hmm. spot. Where you just come on and praise us. Exactly. Talk <laughs> tell us how nice our hair is from afar. What are you what are you drinking? Uh battery acid. <laughs> with ice cubes? Yeah, I'm just uh drinking a little bit of Kool-Aid with some poison in it. Um yeah. no, I'm having actually a delicious, very light cocktail of uh some seltzer and lime and chinar. Yum. Yeah, which is like an artichoke. I mean, you know, obviously what it is, but to uh, our listener, in case you don't know what it is, chinar is an artichoke liqueur. <laughs> it's an artichoke. It's actually, I didn't have any chinar, so I'm just having <laughs> seltzer with artichoke, with raw squeeze, artichoke. You squeeze the artichoke, the juice that comes out. <laughs> no, no. I actually just cord the artichoke and I'm oh. using it as a cup. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's Chinar somewhere. That's so uh, spiky. <laughs> it's very dangerous. I'm choking to death as we speak. You know, I'm not, I gotta tell you, I'm not a fan of artichokes. <laughs> oh, excuse us. Why not? Okay. What's your problem? Too hard what? to eat? They're too hard to eat. Like, who even figured out how to get the food out of them? I completely agree. It's one of those things where I'm like, the same thing with like an oyster. I'm like, who decided to bang this rock rock open and slurp the snot out of it? I mean, well, I, I like think, oysters, but I think that oysters are like you saw you see birds breaking oh. them on the ground and eating out the insides. Right. That's smart. That's true. So 
you can then be like, maybe I should try that too. But what about <laughs> coconuts? Mom, I guess. <laughs> I guess some other animal was like, oh, here, listen, dumbass, just I break this open. Yeah, that's true. I also think the same thing like about cheese. Like, who was like, oh, look, if we let this milk like rot away and cover up in mold, it could potentially be delicious. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I was reading this article about like the super like gross illegal cheese um, in Italy. Illegal cheese. Sardinia. Mm. <laughs> With the maggots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, people still make it, even though it's illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a cheese, an Italian cheese that's made from cans. You wouldn't say it without laughing. It's made by <laughs> get it <laughs> out. It's but you leave milk in the stomach of a dead animal, a sheep, a sheep I believe. <laughs> you leave the milk in there, and then that cheese is what you eat later. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. There's that's perfect. It's actually that's going to play in very well to the thing that I'd like to talk about later. <laughs> I have a special segment prepared for us. I should have included that. You have to, you have to get creative during times of yeah. darkness. Sometimes you I gotta, just think that aren't you disturbed by this? You just leave the dead animal's stomach out yeah. there with some milk in there. I'm not exactly an animal rights activist, but it doesn't sound great. Oh, I don't care about the animal. <laughs> oh, of course not. And then you light the animal on fire just for fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess they were like, I was reading this article and they're like, so basically the way that people figured out that that was a way you could make cheese is just by eating it out of desperation, like being starving. Yeah, it just seems like very odd to go to that place, right? It seems like... It's yeah. almost like, you know, making a bong out of, like, a used tampon or something. It's like, sure, you could do it if you're really desperate to smoke weed, but you could also just, like... <laughs> I thought you said bomb. <laughs> oh, either way. Yeah. A bomb or a bong out of a tampon bomb. Tampon bomb? <laughs> Wait, can you make a bong? You can't make a bong out of a tampon. Of course you can. Really? Yeah, you make a little tiny hole in there, and you you suck out of the top, and you put a little. Wait, out uh, of the applicator, not the actual. No, tampon. no, out of the actual tampon. Huh? Look, if you have put, you done this before? <laughs> I'm gonna do it when we get off the phone <laughs> because I have nothing fucking else to do. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm so busy. <laughs> just kidding. I'm so busy leaving the house 1,800 times per day. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. Not even in your house right now. (laughs) No, of course not. Why would I'm in a? I'm in a house party. (laughs) I'm in an illegal cheese house party. We're all eating illegal cheese. We're fucking each other. The other day, Mary. So Mary, our friend, and her sister Catherine, who's also a friend, uh, and I started a new video like youtube show that you're welcome to be a part of if you like it's called coffee talk and we oh, thank you for inviting me now oh yeah i mean you're welcome to join we, we did a sample episode we'll call you don't call us we'll call you um so we started the zoom show and uh we basically wake up early and drink coffee so it's like in real time like our tiredness is like you know wearing off as we are like taping the show but why i don't understand why you guys have to wake up so early 
<laughs> well, initially they wanted to wake up at like six thirty, but this I time know. We, we started at like, <laughs> we started it at like eight. But we started okay. talking about like people. They're like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, oh, "I'm having an orgy." They're like, "Oh, are you quarantining with like your orgy group?" I'm like, "Yeah, we all hide in like different corners of the apartment until it's fuck time." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'm just here waiting for the orgy to begin that's um, cool getting well, myself our, up we have another friend who artichoke hearts we have another friend who like romantically is quarantining with someone that they only knew for a couple of weeks before they decided to quarantine together which i think yeah. is a danger a highway to the danger zone I think it's a, it's a, it's playing it fast and loose for sure. <laughs> um, but they seem to be pretty happy. Like, no, when was the last time you talked to her? I talked to her. Uh, I called her in, with an angry rant on the day that Bernie dropped out of the race. Oh yeah. Um, and she tolerated me for a while because she feels the same way. And then she sent me that um, uh, radical feminist literature. Oh, that's right. I pass on to you. Um, so should, should yeah. Also, that? did you see <laughs> that Elizabeth fucking Warren promote, promoted? What what is it called? She's like she Endorsed? stands. She stands for Biden. <laughs> yeah, they all stand for Biden. It's, it after Bernie did it, like a fucking uh-huh. coward, a she's, whore coward. She's a whore coward. <laughs> she's a fucking whorish coward. She's, <laughs> Listen, these are our opinions. They do not represent Heritage Radio, but I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to reiterate it. She's a fucking whorish coward. Elizabeth Warren, I thought you were cool, but I was wrong. Elizabeth Warren, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) What a nightmare scenario. Everything is ablaze. You know, God bless Bernie because he obviously had no other option other than to endorse or look like a sore loser. And they I probably mean, already threatened his family, but he did. He didn't have to endorse anyone. Look at Hor and Warren. I- <laughs> <laughs> she and her seventy-year-old vagina wait until <laughs> the last minute. <laughs> Yo, she's got a real tune problem. What Honestly, the hell? yeah, she's a phony baloney. Um, <sighs> You know what, Elizabeth? Call me. I'll talk to you if you think I'm misrepresenting you here. Let's mm. let's talk about it. She's a phony balloon, and <laughs> uh, Bernie is obviously in a position where he either has to look like a sore loser brat, uh, or he has to endorse. And I'm sure they probably threatened his family's lives because the DNC is a bunch of freaking monsters, a la the fugitive. And, yeah, uh, I'm not interested in it. And I'm no longer a Democrat. I've already mentioned this. Did you uh, Did you hear Obama's little endorsey speech? No, I couldn't watch it. Fuck him. If someone to wait because they so Biden kind of expected him. This is all hearsay, but mm-hmm. Biden sort of expected him to endorse him when he was running initially, and he never mm-hmm. said a fucking word about any of the candidates. Right. And now, which is chill. Now, which is totally. Chill. I mean. God bless Obama. I have some problems with his presidency, but you know he is worshipped by most upper middle class people. Um, so he waited until the horse is dead, and there's the only the dead horse that we have 
yes, he it's but the whole thing with Obama endorsing Biden and pretending like he waited until it was all over is just bullshit because the whole reason that all those people dropped out before Super Tuesday and endorsed Biden was because Obama told them to. He called them. He said from the beginning that if it looked like Bernie was going to win, he was going to shut it down. And he did all the while looking like the good guy who wasn't going to endorse anyone. And that's even more cowardly. Should have just endorsed him from the beginning if that's how you felt. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I like I like Obama and I... I like him because he smokes cigarettes. Yes, I like him because he smokes cigarettes. <laughs> I like him be- for a variety of reasons. And I also disagree with a lot of his policy decisions. And I don't think he's a per- was a perfect president. But I think there's he many... He was a completely re- ineffective president. And so I guess... There's many back, redeemable things about him, though, and what he yeah, represents in progress. He's, like, super charming. And his whole deal is, like, the West Wing TV show, right? Like, everything can be saved by a speech, which is sadly not true in real life. Right. I, what I really, really don't appreciate about Obama at this point <laughs> is that he ran on uh, hope and change. And that really was true at that time, in t- 12 years ago. You know, like having a black president, a young, enthusiastic, energetic person come in and change and to not allow or promote the same amount of momentum and hope and change that we need at this moment is, is fucked up. He's a centrist. Yeah. It's fucked up. He's a neoliberal. He should be, I mean, what can we do? Yeah. I just think. Oh, go go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, I just, I basically have quit smoking now and it's really sad and that's what I wanted to mention oh yeah me too I've quit smoking and I've never wanted to kill myself more (laughs) it's really lame also I have a friend who quit smoking like cold turkey like 42 years ago and he's always like I always want a cigarette I just don't smoke cigarettes and I'm like that sounds like a life of misery (laughs) yeah it's basically like fucking the same thing as gay conversion therapy I'm just kidding (laughs) Trying to tell yourself you can't do something that you know you should be doing. Well, I almost caved and I was going to get, I almost caved two times. So the first time I went to the bodega by my house, like two weeks ago, and they were out, they were out of the jewel pods that I wanted. Cause I was just going to be like, I'm just going to have a little jewel, mm-hmm. not, not go back to regular cigarettes, but they didn't have the flavor that I like. So I was like, okay, this is a sign from God. Mm-hmm. And then the second time I actually like, the bodegas by my house started delivering cigarettes and jewel pods. Oh, wow. Um, but they're so expensive that I can't bring myself to do it. It's like my cheapness is overwhelming my <laughs> desire to smoke. It's $20 for a pack of cigarettes and it's $30. That's too much. For, $30 for a jewel. I know. It's insane. Yeah, don't do that. And plus, like, you know, it's interesting. I'm thinking right now about how much I'd love to have a cigarette. But, like, the way I feel after I have a cigarette is not gratifying. I don't feel well after I smoke. And I don't feel well the next day when I wake up after smoking a lot. And that I don't miss about smoking. But I do miss everything else. <laughs> it's am- Smoking is great. Let's just be honest here. Okay? Yeah. I'm smoking is the best vice. There's not a better vice than smoking, although it does give you lung cancer and emphysema, which is not ideal at this present moment more than ever, really. It's heart disease that we got to worry about as women. Oh, right. The heart disease. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I miss it, to be honest. Like, I miss it, but I'm actually, like, 
kind of fine with it. I was thinking about it this morning and I was like, man, I would have been smoking so much. I would have been smoking like almost a pack a day <laughs> during this situation. Uh, if given the, if like I had the opportunity to. So um, that yeah. reminds me, I watched hearts of darkness last night, which is the documentary about the making of apocalypse now. Yes. I saw that on your Instagram. Please tell us. More. So um, Martin, Mari Sheen, mm-hmm. Charlie Sheen's dad, right? And Emilio Estevez's uh, dad as well. Yes. Um, Marty Sheen, uh, they call him Marty. He was like, <laughs> oh, I didn't really know if I was up to the physicality of this role because I felt old. I was 36 years old. No. <laughs> I was smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. What? How is that possible? <laughs> how can you <laughs> smoke three packs of How? Who has the time? Chain smoking. Wow, that's discor- that is really upsetting. That's an well, alarming. This is in the 70s where you could smoke anywhere. So you don't have to like make time in your day. You just light wow. up wherever you are. <laughs> I have a cough thinking about it. Also, his name is Marty Estevez. <laughs> right, that's true. Um, yeah, he basically went completely insane during the filming and had a heart attack. Oh my God, are you kidding me? You've never seen this documentary? No, no, I'll have oh, to watch it. No. It's really interesting. So basically it's, uh, his wife recorded, he was like, oh, record stuff for the publicity, you know, whatever, to kind of keep her busy. But she also secretly recorded their conversations with each other, allegedly oh. for her diary. Uh, uh, and <laughs> so there's like all these conversations that she got with um, Francis Ford Coppola, like him just like talking about the movie and him being all like upset about it. And and she's like secretly recording her husband, which I think is so What a sneak. What a sneaky <laughs> creep. But it made for great viewing like this documentary is like probably one of the best it's some people think it's better than the movie um, oh. <laughs> so basically in the 90s um francis Ford coppola took the footage and the sound and all and he gave it to these two people that are probably famous i don't remember what their names are um and they edited it all into this documentary and they they interviewed people like in 1990 about the movie back then and then there's footage of them it's just like it's really incredible awesome and you know oh go ahead it was just like a disaster from the beginning. Yeah, um, I've, I've heard that. And I like haven't watched that movie since I was maybe in college, which was over 45 million years ago. It's very much like a movie that you watch in college for sure. Totally. You're like, oh my God, have you seen Apocalypse Now? <laughs> um, so I have to rewatch it and then I'll definitely watch the doc afterwards. I yeah. had a hilarious foil last night. It does not pass the Bechdel test, just so you know. <laughs> Wait, what's the Bechdel test? The Bechdel test. What is that? What? You don't know what that is? No. Oh, my God. What's the Bechdel um, test? So it's a test that this woman, I'm pretty sure her name is Amy. Uh, her last name is Bechdel. Okay. Um, and she said that in order for, well, she basically like was like, if a movie has two women characters that have names... And have a conversation with each other about something other than a man, then it passes the Bechdel test. Oh my God! No, I never heard that. That's amazing. I can't believe you never heard of this. This is amazing. All right, podcasters, the last person on earth to hear about oh, yeah. the Bechdel test. <laughs> I know that's so weird. No, I never heard of that. Um, I also watched a movie last night, which, thinking about it, also didn't pass the Bechdel test. Um, <laughs> I, for some reason, had always thought that the movie Sophie's Choice was about abortion. <laughs> 
And so I wanted to watch something like 70s. And in my mind, it's about like Meryl Streep, like making a choice about whether or not to have an abortion. I can't. So when people are like, when people are making jokes, they're like, it's like Sophie's choice. You think that they mean an abortion or not having an abortion? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So what I, I put this film on and I'm like, First of all, it was the second movie in a row that I'd watched with Meryl Streep doing a foreign accent. I had what watched did you watch before? Out of Africa. Out of with, Africa? <laughs> yes, with Robert Redford. Oh, P.S. I just want to take a quick sidebar. I forgot to mention last week during our Redford episode, Newman episode, that uh, I have the same birthday as Paul Newman. Oh, my God. I know. Um, okay. And the same year and everything. I'm in my, I'm in my late 90s. The same uh, year? Yeah, same year, same day. Same oh, hospital. Wow. Yeah, we're twins. <laughs> we're twins. Thank you. Um, anyway, so I put this movie on and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. This is like in the like late forties. Interesting. Um, and then I was like, when is she going to get an abortion already? <laughs> Why is that doesn't even make sense. I was like, so we're going to find out Kevin Klein gets her pregnant because he's so abusive and crazy and she has to decide whether to get an abortion. Is and Kevin then, Klein in that movie? Yeah. Kevin Klein is like a like really bipolar person who's her boyfriend who's like really verbally abusive borderline physically abusive and a cocaine addict and he just treats her terribly and so, so- wait, wait. i've never seen this first of all i have two well i've never seen this movie but i knew what the choice that she had to make was <laughs> the choices that she had for anyone who hasn't seen it the choice is that she is in concentration camp at Auschwitz, and she has to make a choice of which children she wants to send to the incinerator. Just between the two. But so between the two. But she had a boyfriend in Auschwitz? No, no. She she gets out of Auschwitz. Both her kids die. Um oh, they both end up dying. Yeah. The other one she like asks this uh guy she's cause she ends up work because she she wasn't Jewish. So she just ended up working for somebody as a secretary. And she was like, look, I'm not Jewish. Uh, Can you get my little boy out of here? And he's like, the little boy was when she decided to save. And uh, then she, he's like, yeah, just come by tomorrow and you'll see him. And she comes by where she's supposed to go and she sees him, but he's hanging. (laughs) Oh my God. It's such a fucking depressing movie as though, I mean, abortion (laughs) is depressing enough, but at least I thought it would be like, on um, some share seventies fucking vibe, like some Wait. kind of like women empowerment shit. All of a sudden, I mean, there's just, children hanging. You should watch if these walls could talk. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. Now I just need a good abortion film to get me through this pandemic. <laughs> I also think that share is in if these walls could talk. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought of share because they're both in that movie Silkwood together. Oh but, my god, have you seen Silkwood? Yes, I've seen Silkwood. Dude. Um, it's I've never movie. seen that, but in the preview, uh, who's the the male lead? The hot, um... I can't remember. I don't know. It's been such a long time. No, it's is it Patrick Swayze or is it? No. It's either Patrick Swayze or his equivalent. I don't remember. That's <laughs> another one that I haven't seen since like college. I can't remember who the male lead well, is. In the preview, That's a crazy story of Karen Silkwood. Yeah. <clears throat> well, rad- radium or some kind of radioactive, right? It's about like a radioactive plant. Yes. And she finds out and she tells everyone she's a whistleblower and then they kill her. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a true, true story. <coughs> yeah, it's a true story. All right. Should we take a quick break? 
Restaurants employ over 15 million people nationwide. And two-thirds of all restaurants are independently owned and not part of big chains. Yet, currently, these small businesses are not represented in government relief negotiations. Roar is working to change that by fighting for relief opportunities for all restaurants. Roar is advocating for an eight-point plan in New York State that will allow restaurants to reopen and rehire when the time comes. Dozens of industry leaders have signed onto this plan, like Namwa Tea Parlor, Field Trip, Momofuku, and many more of your favorites. You can join them at change.org by searching for Roar, relief opportunities for all restaurants. Ben, we're back with both the stars of the movie Silkwood. <laughs> so it's Kurt Russell, and in the preview, right. he's basically naked, and he looks really, really hot. Kurt Russell was so hot. <clears throat> oh, also, I want to mention something about Robert Redford. Um, I have, as you guys know, I've been watching Robert Redford's entire canon of films, and they're all amazing, honestly. I haven't seen a single or married one that is not good. And I had been really, like, nervous about watching older Redford movies because I was like, oh, I don't want to see him old. Like, I'm, I'm so used to him young and hot. It's just going to be so weird. But I watched <laughs> The Old Man and the Gun the other day, which is his last film he did in 2018. Um, and it was awesome. And he was still smoking hot. No. Eight-year-old. Yeah. Still hot. Really? I don't think so. I think he's still good looking. And I would 100% smash. I don't. I would not. Also, would there's, no way that he's, there's no way his dick works. <clears throat> well, we'd figure it out. I'd squish it. <laughs> squish it up in there. Ew. All right. On that note, I want to That's talk to elder you. abuse. <laughs> elder also, abuse. Did you watch the Horse Whisperer? Because I fell yeah. asleep during that movie. In the <laughs> I watched the Horse Whisperer. Didn't realize that Skojo was in it. A young Skojo. Like her, one of her big breakout roles. <clears throat> yeah, she was. Uh, she was pretty good in it. I gotta say, for a little kid, that was a good movie. He was hot in that too. He's hot enough, but I thought it was be boring. I thought it was fine. It was fine. It was pretty. I appreciated that. And then I watched Quiz Show last night, which he wasn't in, but he was directed, and that was. Oh, I love Quiz Show. It's one of my favorite movies. What a good movie! Um, I want to talk about a couple of things in a little segment that I'm going to call "Food for Thought." (laughs) (laughs) This is a food podcast. I have a couple little fun facts that I want to hit you with this week, if you don't mind. I'm ready. <laughs> so Do I have to I... be here for this? No, no. Go ahead and leave. <laughs> it's, we don't need you for this. Okay. Okay. So, Virginia. Um, <laughs> I'm speaking directly to you, Virginia and Kira. Um, this is a little thing that I was interested in. You know how the old saying always goes to feed a cold, starve a fever? And then some people say, feed a fever, starve a cold. It's like you can't really get a straight answer out of anybody. It's feed a cold, starve a fever. They actually say that line in Meet Me in St. Louis. Oh, wow. Great film. I've never seen that. But yeah. Judy Garland, to- it's great. Uh, I do love Judy Garland. I, maybe I'll watch that tonight. Um, okay, according to scientificamerican.com, this saying has been traced to 1574 dictionary by John Withalls, which noted that fasting is a great remedy for a fever because back then they believed that eating food that was hot 
would help you avoid getting a cold and would like help and like you didn't want to bring your feet body temperature up with hot food um when you had a fever okay <clears throat> but now so people, it's a lie yes but people think differently now because essentially when you get a fever as as many of us know um your immune system is going like haywire trying to like kill the bug and so your metabolism is going really really fast um, and that's why you're sweating and your temperature is rising. So you actually do want to eat if you can, so that, um, you're giving your body energy to fight. Yeah, but who can eat when they have a fever? Not me. <clears throat> I don't know. But that's why it's like good to, um, maybe eat things like protein shake or like ice cream or yeah. things that are high in calories that are easy to eat. Um, and then really dehydration is the worst thing. So you just want to always make sure that you are hydrating, because a fever dehydrates you from sweating and dehydration um, <clears throat> makes your mucus in your nose and your throat and your lungs dry up, which clog your sinuses and respiratory uh, tubes and make it harder to cough. And I guess obviously during like with this coronavirus sitch, um, it makes you very dry. So you just want to make sure to be drinking. Yeah. My, my doctor, my pediatrician used to always say, push your fluids when you're sick. Ooh, what does that mean? Push them where? Push them down your throat? No, just keep, yeah, push the fluids. Keep drinking. Drink a lot of stuff. Um, It's also why they say that you should have, because when you're sick, it's really hard to drink water. And so that's why Gatorade is really good for people that are sick because it's like the, whatever the element of like the sugariness or whatever makes it easier to get down. Right. Um, Why is it hard to drink water? Like if you have a stomach thing or just like at all? It's like, People just like don't. I remember the last time I had the flu, which was a couple. It was like right after Brucey closed. I had oh, a yeah. terrible, terrible flu, and I just like drinking water. Just like I don't know. I just like didn't want to do it, and yeah. so I drank a lot of Gatorade. I basically like lived on Gatorade and a couple of saltines for oh, seven days. <laughs> um, terrible. It was crazy. Yeah. So, but that's one of the things that they say. Or you could make like your homemade Gatorade, which is like salty limeade or whatever. If you don't want to drink the chemically stuff. Right. Or they, now they sell those, like, I have electrolyte pouches. Mm-hmm. You can just, like, dump some, like, sugary electrolytes into water if you really need it. It's very good for a hangover. <clears throat> um, I was also curious about chicken soup, or as they say in my culture, um, which is mall culture. Just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jewish culture. Um, oh, I was like, what culture? I'm cultured. <clears throat> um, that chicken, I was, oh, they call it Jewish penicillin. So I was I've never heard that. Yeah. Like if you're ever sick, like chicken soup or moth ball soup is called Jewish penicillin. We should have the Jewish penicillin fight the Lutheran binder in a comic book. (laughs) 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 Who will win? Look, watch out. Jewish penicillin is with his sidekick, matzo ball man. (laughs) (laughs) Also, whenever I hear Lutheran binder, I just think about binding your boobs like that's what I always so I picture like someone just like binding their breasts yeah that that makes sense I think about like when Mitt Romney was talking about like having binders full of women but in this case they're all Lutheran <laughs> oh yeah the bit oh I forgot about the binders full of women <laughs> Aw, those were simpler times <laughs> that's like when they that one guy said that the internet is a connected series of tubes under the ground yeah, it was just everyone was just being like playing nice. We were like outrageous binders full of women. I always think back to the most who must be the most slighted person in the entire world, Howard Dean. 
who I don't know if you remember him, but he was no. a presidential candidate in 2004. And he was a pretty good candidate. I mean, I, you know, would have to re-review what his policies were. He was also the head of the DNC for a while, so he might be a scumbag. But um, <clears throat> he was on a roll during the primary seasons, and he was going to, it looked like he was going to be the nominee instead of John Kerry. And then at a rally, he got really excited, and he goes, we're going to take Nevada, and we're going to take Texas, and we're going to take Idaho. And he goes, and like shoots his fist into the air in celebration. And it was unforgivable. Everybody <laughs> mocked him and sent him back to, I think he was from New Hampshire, exactly where he came from. We're like, oh, no, we cannot have a president who goes, biah, in excitement. <clears throat> and I always think, like, now he must look at, like, Trump and all this other bullshit and be like, I did one fucking biah. And I was, like, completely <laughs> excommunicated. He was the governor of Vermont, and his middle name is Brush. <laughs> Brush? Brush? You yep. can't have a president with a middle of any name, Brush. No. Especially, he was going to be after Bush. Imagine we went from Bush to Brush. <laughs> That's too Howard, similar. Howard Brush Dean Third. He There was two other Brushes before him? Well, two other Howard Brush Deans. That's psychotic. Um, okay, so anyway, let me tell you about chicken soup. Chicken soup. Okay. <laughs> chicken soup allegedly does not possess any magical ingredients, okay, in case anyone is wondering. But <clears throat> people are saying that the reason that what we talk about chicken soup being like healing is that the vapor like rising out of the bowl, like the hot liquids, like moistens and loosens up mucus. But that can also happen from like hot tea or according to this article, gently blowing your nose one nostril at a time. <laughs> I, th- I read that you're not supposed to do one, uh, one nostril at a time. Why not? Double blow only? Because you can blow an eardrum out or something. Oh, God. And then you're really screwed. Imagine your eardrum just falls. I'm picturing like a tiny drum just falling out onto the floor. <laughs> like, boop, boop. And like a tiny uh, little Mick Fleetwood with like, <laughs> he's like, my. With a um, little drummer boy. <laughs> a little drummer boy. <laughs> um, according to UCLA uh, Medical Center, it has the anti-inflammatory effect from the garlic and the onions. And right. it increases movement of nasal fluid. So then this last thing that I want to talk about, which I, we could have done a whole episode on this. We still could. I'm just going to like briefly go over this, but we can go into it in greater detail if you want, is how like I was listening to Cheryl Strayed talk this morning on a podcast about how her mom growing up used to do all these things as they lived in rural Minnesota and she would always be baking bread and pickling and canning and like smoking and dehydrating. And, you know, a lot of people are doing that now and <clears throat> some of it is for fun and some of it is for necessity, you know, um, a lot of people in between, but it got me to thinking about depression era recipes. Mm. And because obviously we're all going to need to know about those pretty soon after like the holiday part of this wears off and we're all forced to grapple with the fact that we are going to be completely impoverished for the next. Yeah, I have that, I have that book, that MFK Fisher book, how to cook a wolf, Mm -hmm. which is from that point of view that era yeah she's amazing so I wanted to tell you about a couple of my favorite ones that I found my grandma had to eat squirrel during the depression yeah roadkill was a really really big thing it's like basically I don't think it was roadkill I think they they shot the squirrel they shot them yeah Yeah. I'll tell you right now that if I was shooting squirrels 
I'd be eating to high heaven. I could feed, I don't know, at least three or 400 people with as many squirrels are just like crawling around on my back little fire escape <laughs> thing. I have a lot of cats on my roof. I don't okay. know if I want to, I don't want to eat them. Listen, if we put a bunch of squirrels and a bunch of cats in a pot and boil them, you won't know if you're eating squirrel or cat. Or we can just have the squirrels and the cats fight to the death. <laughs> Perfect. In like a small war. Great. <laughs> I'm going to collect all the squirrels. I'll bring them over to your place tomorrow in a bag and uh, we'll throw them out and on your little back roof thing and we'll see what happens. Okay. Okay, great. So first thing that was like the most popular answer that came up was creamed chipped beef. Oh yeah. I've had that before. It's right. delicious. Um, it looked great. Cream chip beef, chip beef is basically like a beef salami. Yeah, it's like dried. Um, I feel like it's kind of like, um, jerky almost. Right. And then you kind of like rehydrate it with like some milk and butter and make like a white sauce and pour it over toast. That's and very Southern to me. Like you can get that at a Southern diner. I right would now. get it. I look delicious, and it, but the nickname for it is SOS, which is shit on a shingle. Right, shit on a shingle, yes. Right. Um, um, it's really good. I enjoy it. It looks great. I think I would like it too. Um, the next one that I thought was kind of weird is vinegar pie. So it's like a pie, but like you boil down apple cider vinegar and sugar to make like a filling because like it was hard to get fresh fruit and vegetables. Right. It's also like there. There's bean pie. Have you ever had bean pie? No. What's that? Like a sweet bean pie? Yeah. It's um. I think pretty sure it's definitely southern. Also, um, I feel like it's Depression era too. It sounds depressing. <laughs> it looks. It kind of looks like a chess pie. Like it looks like. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just full of fucking beans. No thanks. <laughs> no, they're pureed. Uh, I mean, you know what? I'd try it. I'm gonna try it eventually. We're all it's basically like, like, it's like, it's, you know, you can use beans to like make baked goods. Like you can make black bean brownies. It's a thing that people oh, do. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, I've made those before. How are they? Very farty? I don't remember. You shouldn't have to fart after Basically, it's like eggs, navy beans, evaporated milk, sugar, cinnamon, and all mixed together with the beans. Oh, wow. Okay. And I'll you bake it, it in a pie crust and it's good. Well, um, I also saw a recipe for something called mock apple pie, which instead of using apples, just use Ritz crackers as the filling instead of apples. Hmm. So it's all the things in an apple pie, except instead of apples, it's crackers. <laughs> but <laughs> so well, that was not my favorite. Um, another really popular one was prune pudding. So like a steamed kind of like a figgy pudding, but with prunes because they were cheap. And Eleanor Roosevelt pushed to have it served to guests at the White House because, like, in a kind of camaraderie thing, like, we're going to serve prune pudding because that's what people are all eating. So she popularized it, and maybe she was also constipated. Who knows? But her and good old FDR and all her lesbian orgies, she was just covered in prune. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, okay. Another thing was called Milkarono, and... Uh, according to this article I read, in the early 1930s, scientists at Cornell University came up with Milkarono, an inexpensive, <laughs> inexpensive food to feed depression-hit masses. It's a mixture of dried milk powder, cornmeal, and like water, and it could be eaten like a gruel-like oatmeal. Wait, it's dry milk powder and what? And cornmeal and water. Huh. Yeah. That's gross. Yeah. That's, I like, also- cream, that's like cream of wheat. Yeah. I also saw something called um, milk soup, which was like just bananas and sugar and milk. 
Yum. I would eat that. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's great if there's cereal in it. They couldn't, you know, people couldn't afford um, cereal. So they just had that. But um, and then, they can afford bananas. They, I know. I was like, bananas seem like a real luxury. Hmm. Um, they're imported. I don't know. Boiled carrots with white sauce was really popular. Boiled carrots, pasta, and white sauce, which was just like a thin bechamel and like really smushy carrots. Everyone just said it was the most bland thing ever. Sounds I, horrible. Yeah. No, thanks. Everyone, um, everyone said it was the most bland thing. Everyone was talking. <laughs> FDR and Eleanor were like, listen, we can do prune pudding, but we st- we draw the line at fucking boiled carrot spaghetti with white milk sauce. Man, that sounds unsatisfying. I know. Um, next one I think sounds kind of good. Jello ice cream. So people would take jello and like milk and sugar and like mix it together and freeze it, and it would be like an ice cream that you could make out of jello. Weird. And then this one also, this one surprised me, and this one's delicious, is Italian ice. But it makes so much sense because people couldn't um, afford to have no. ice cream. So, yeah, just like flavored ice. Although pe- there was so much anti-Italian sentiment, it must have been called something like white white ice. <laughs> I can't imagine <laughs> it was called Italian ice. <laughs> or like something really racist, just like Guinea ice or something. Sure. Oh, yeah. Vincenzo's ice. <laughs> Vinny ice. I don't know any any slurs for it. Oh, Guido ice? Yeah, Guido ice. WAP is one. I can only say, I can say this because I'm partly Italian. You oh, can't. Okay. I'm just kidding. I mean, Do I not say, say Guido. I can say Guido. Do not say Guido on this podcast. I can't say it. Do not say Guido. Guido's also someone's name. <laughs> There's like a chain of grocery stores in um, Massachusetts called Guido's. So that's okay. Um, oh, li- okay. Is there more? Yeah, I have a couple more. This okay. one is going to make you feel nauseous. I know you won't like it at all, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's called the peanut butter stuffed onion. <laughs> no, why? <laughs> also, peanut butter and mayo sandwiches, which actually kind of sounds good to me. People fucking make peanut butter and hot sauce sandwiches, and I disapprove. Oh, no, I would totally... Me- I would... Here's the thing. I would taste that and it would be fine, but I would never think to like make that for myself. There's so many other things that this place makes. I just make. don't want to eat that on bread. I want I put hot sauce and peanut butter together and make a delicious sauce for noodles, but mm-hmm. I don't want to eat it on a piece of bread. You understand? Totally. Yes, I feel you. And I'm going to mention one last thing, which is very close and personal to my heart because my grandfather used to do this because we were the poor and they were more poor before I came into the picture. But dandelion salad, my grandfather was someone who grew up in the Depression, and he was a true, and they never had much money, and we we all lived with them. My mom and dad and me lived with them when I was a little kid. We were all quite poor. Um, and my grandfather, I posted something on Instagram on um, on Easter the other day. Like, we, <laughs> we had a rabbit that, like, all of a sudden mysteriously died. And years <laughs> later, my dad told me that my grandfather just, like, took the rabbit and, like, cooked it. It probably died of stupidity because rabbits are really, really dumb. Yeah, it just kept banging its head into the wall. But so this one is called dandelion salad. My grandpa used to pick the dandelions that just grew in the yard and pick the greens. And my dad would always be like, yeah, he'd pick dandelion greens from anywhere. He's like, he would be like picking me up from somewhere and he'd be picking dandelion greens out of the cement on places where dogs were peeing. Like he did not care. He just like picked the dandelion. If a dandelion was growing, he would pick it. I think that's a bad idea. There's so much pesticides, especially back in the olden I know. times. I know. So he 
picked, but he did pick all the dandelions. He would go like get clams because we live in a town that was right by the water. So he'd go clamming and fishing out of anywhere. He Whatever was free was for him. And he would keep it as like way past the sell by. Like he'd go clamming. We, there would be like clams in the fridge for like eight weeks. <laughs> like, Yay. <laughs> we're like, we're dying of food poisoning. Like just eat it and shut up. That kind of thing. But he was a great guy. <laughs> Obviously you didn't die of food poisoning because you're still alive. We lived. Okay, that's it. That's all I have. Food for thought. Food for thought. Um, I was going to say, I was listening to a podcast, um, and they said that if you want, they have this thing where they invite their listeners to do Netflix party with them. So if you... <gasps> oh my God, <laughs> so yes. Like, isn't that funny? So it's like they're on Netflix party and then everyone else joins and they just like make all their little comments. I thought that was interesting. It is. We should do that. Nicole and I did a Netflix party to the two of us. The other day to a very bad movie, which it borderlined on like, not just like funny, bad. It It wasn't fun. It was a drudgery. It was drudgery to watch it. It was called Kate and Leopold. It was truly the worst movie ever made. Meg Um, Ryan and Wolverine (laughs) and Brecken fucking Meyer. (laughs) And Brecken Meyer and fucking Liev Schreiber, who was like doing serious acting during the whole thing. And it had like a five minute monologue at the end. (laughs) I was like, what is happening? It's so bad. It's like they stole Meg Ryan's charm away from her, and she smokes a cigarette in it. Mm -hmm. That was the best part of the movie. (laughs) Meg Ryan smoking a cigarette is something that I cannot reconcile. You know, because she plays such bubblegum, chippery, uptight people. She does. Also, I have to say, like, if you're going to do a Netflix party, I suggest that you don't watch a movie that's so bad that you have to comment on everything that's happening. Because I noticed myself, like, missing large chunks of the movie because we were just typing jokes back and forth at each other about how dumb it was. Everything that was happening was dumb. But that's fine because that movie would have been unbearable if we hadn't missed large chunks of it. That's true. Time travel movies are really hard. There's only a couple that I think have ever really nailed it. Most notably, obviously, Back to the Future. The entire. <laughs> <laughs> oh I I like time travel. I mean, Terminator. Terminator's uh, cool. There's that movie that I was trying to tell you about with Mel Gibson and Helen Hunt called. No, it sounds uh, terrible. I can't remember what it's called. Just based on the characters. <laughs> it also starts that. It is bad. It's really bad. He's like a pilot um, from like the 20s, and he comes back. Encino Man is great. Encino Man is good. Uh, it's not really time travel though. He just was like frozen. That's true, but he does wake up in a much different time. I mean, his time traveling, though, is, like, maybe the most severe. Oh, wait. I think I know this Mel Gibson movie. Is he frozen? He's cryogenically frozen, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen that. It's not good. Um, There's also that movie that's really bad with Alicia Silverstone, and it's time travel-y. Clueless? What? I'm just kidding. What did you say? I said Clueless. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love that movie. Guys, please get me too. I love Clueless. Um, please get at us on our Instagram, Life of Angle Podcast, uh, Virginia and Kira, and let us know what your favorite time travel movies are. Oh, like, also, you guys, we should watch anyway. The point is Virginia, Kira, let's Netflix party. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's watch something that's like medium good with like a sexy hunk as the star. Who? What? A sexy hunk has to be in it, though. I want. I need some hunk action. You need to go on Tinder. Um, fine. <laughs> Let's do a Tinder party. <laughs> Just have a. We can. I'm about to go to my orgy, so I'll be fine in about ten minutes. Um, 
No, but we need a hug. We need like we need like a Denzel or like a Costner, like a real. We're bind. We're bound by this constraints of Netflix, which is a really crappy. That's true. Collection of movies. There's gotta be. I mean, I I've been thinking a lot about just different hunk movies. I'm almost done with Redford, and I'm like, should I move on to Denzel? Such a hunk, and so many good movies. Right. Watch like the Pelican motherfucking brief. Oh my god, the Pelican Brief is so funny because my so my friend Angela, if you're listening, she probably is it. Um, she when she was going to law school, she watched like every John Grisham movie, like every like lawyer thriller movie that came out. And so right. my parents, when we go to visit them at their lake, they have like a bunch of like just like random and crazy DVDs, and they had the Pelican Brief. And so my sister and I watched it, and I was like is this going to be any good? And I texted my friend Angela um, to see, because I knew that she had watched all of the John Grisham, like, movies when she was in law school. And right. um, she immediately responded, and she was like, oh, yeah, it's inexplicable um, that there's so many car bombings. And basically, <laughs> the premise is that a first-year law student can solve this, like, yep espionage crime that's happening it's really realistic that's why i like it yeah that's a great Uh, movie philadelphia the bone collector philadelphia is not it's very sad i know but it's a great movie i love the bone collector with angelina jolie and then they end up together in the end spoiler i don't like that movie (laughs) it's scary that is the kind of movie that really scares me like a thriller i just don't think that movie's very good i love it and like what I mean, now nobody's definitely, nobody's listening. But the scene in, in the beginning when, like, the couple is sitting in that cab and, like, they they realize they're with a serial killer because they go to unlock the lock and it's, like, a razor blade and they cut their finger. Oh, that's so scary. scary. Wait, is the Bone Collector the one with Ethan Hawke? No. Bone Collector is Angelina Jolie and um, uh, Denzel. Well, what's the one with Angelina Jolie and Ethan Hawke where he's also a murderer? but he bones Angelina Jolie. Oh, I don't know. They trick him. She pretends that she's pregnant and she isolates herself in the wilderness. And what the comes. hell? No? Before sunset? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm looking up right now. <laughs> anyway, that movie is also not good, but the twist at the end is pretty good. Um, Let's see. Let's look this up and then we'll, we'll get going. Taking Lives. Is that what it's called? Yeah. <clears throat> There's like some hot sex between her and Ethan Hawke and that. Yeah, they do sex to each other, it looks like. On the wall, like they bone on the wall and stuff. And then she's uh-huh. like, oh no, I didn't know you were the killer. Crap. It, it, uh, <laughs> it got 60, it made 64.65.4 million dollars. And the music was by Philip Glass. Um, yeah, whatever. But you know, I also watched, I've been watching a lot of documentaries lately, and I watched this Good one. Good for called- you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I really Maniac. like okay. I don't think that they actually make you any smarter. Um, but so this one's called Holy Hell. It's on Netflix. And it's basically about this cult. And these people were in this cult for 25 years oh, before God. they get away. And it's so crazy. And it's it's totally, the cult leader is totally like a failed actor. But wow. I'm just like, yeah. Hollywood needs to own up to all the serial killers and cult leaders that they've churned out by rejecting these egomaniacs. <laughs> totally. Yeah. What else are they supposed to do with their, with their ego? That's I don't know. Because there's so many cult leaders that are failed actors. It's crazy. Yeah. Jared Leto is an executive producer. He's definitely could be a cult leader. <laughs> 
and also anyway. all the all the serial killers that are failed actors. So many. I know. I know. It's terrible. Um, well, Nicole, this has been a titillating hour. Um, yes. I uh, I laughed. I cried. I had a ball. I drank a uh, full artichokes worth of <laughs> seltzer. <laughs> Uh, Wait, do you say Selzer? Hel- Helzer. Seltzer. You don't I, say the T? I said Seltzer. Okay. It's like Selzer. Selzer. No, my mom <laughs> says Salsa, though. Salsa? She says Salsa. For Seltzer? Instead of Salsa, she says Salsa. Uh, well, that's the Spanish pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, hang in there. We're sorry about Bernie. We feel bad about it. Me too. It's sad. It's sad and hard. But um, like Nicole mentioned a couple episodes back, it's a good time to get involved. I do want to mention one thing before we go, um, which is a reminder of, you know, there's a lot of talk of like, get in line, fall in line behind the candidate. That's fine. If you want to do that, no judge. I understand the reasoning for that and the severity. But a good point to remember is that um, not just falling in line and not Uh, supporting Joe Biden doesn't mean that you don't want him to win or that you don't want the Democratic agenda to prevail. It just means if you're supportive of a progressive agenda, there's no one's going to listen to you or to the movement if everyone's like, okay, well, whatever, we'll just do what you want. So I think it's also just a good thing to remember, like, to dissent and to, to not just support helps the progressive agenda become part of the actual agenda because they want progressive support. Yeah. And just get out there and local elections are the only thing we can do now. So vote local, vote local, find candidates that you support. Um, Oh, and one more thing, stimulus checks. Um, If you get your stimulus check and you find yourself not needing it, or at least not needing a part of it, if you think to yourself, can I actually live without this and still survive? Obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty in the future. When will we go back to work? It's totally reasonable if you need to have that as a cushion for yourself. But if you are somebody who's still working, still getting a paycheck, whatever it is that you're in a good position, um, consider um, donating it. And you can go to sharemycheck.org or or my friend Amelia Nuremberg um, uh, wrote an article for The Times talking about where you can donate your check if you don't need it. Hello. Oh. Oh, okay. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Are we still recording? <laughs> yeah, we're still recording. I'm personally just going to roll up my check and smoke it like a cigar. I'm going to make a bong not, out of it. I'm not going to get a check, so it's just that's a bum. That's a bums. Um, a lot of people won't, and it's fucked up. Uh, I love you. Nice to talk to you. I love you too. Amanda, thank you. Amanda's our engineer who's been sitting here patiently listening to all our bullshit for an hour. Thanks, dude. We appreciate you. Always. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, guys. Asla pasta. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.